The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, it is that time again. Afternoons with Mike, heard every day right here at this same time on the Shepherd Radio Network. And to close out this week, I've got a treat for you. And for me, (laughs) I get to sit in the same studio with Buddy Shelton. Now, Buddy is a former pro golfer, and he has spent many years not only on the tour, but uh, also doing things like giving exhibitions at scrambles and tournaments and speaking to the crowds afterwards. He's got a lot going on when it comes to joking around with people, a side-splitting humor, and I think that about covers all of it, buddy. Welcome back to my program. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you. And you came in today with gifts in hand for yours truly. And it, I, it, it's beautiful. I got a, 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 some new golf balls that you brought, some Titleist balls, and a crying towel. Which is that's right. Which, when you're as bad as I am, you'd spend a lot of time crying on the <laughs> on the course. But you um, you have a little inscription. I'm going to take one of these out and look at it. It's Titleist, and but unlike any other Titleist ball, this one has like a uh, vertically uh, yeah, arranged an golf. It's, it's an acronym. G O L F. God offers life forever. That's beautiful. Amen. And uh, I, I know that uh, you're giving me this with purpose, right? I yes. I mean, there's, there's the, a real reason for it. it. Well, it serves a lot of purposes because uh, the average golfer, which you fall into, which means you can't play at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're, you're going to lose a ball. And But the nice thing about this, instead of crying about a lost ball, you're actually... <laughs> Sharing the word with whoever finds it. That's right. It's an evangelistic tool. <laughs> and, it, and, and it goes on and on because most golf balls are, that are found are lost four more times. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's the gift ret- that keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah, before they're retrieved. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that's too funny. And then you all, uh, brought this towel. It's monogrammed with that same uh, acronym, and it's beautiful. And I will treasure this coming from my friend Buddy. Well, it's great to see you and Ruth. Yeah. Also, that towel is made by the same. Uh, it's made by the My Pillow guy, so it does soak up a lot of tears. <laughs> that's that's very helpful. I appreciate that, man. This is great, and I need it. I need it to be tear friendly because, again, my golf game, unlike yours. Now, I've been playing. I've been. I played through a hole where you would have been uh, in one of the. Actually, you were at a couple of our tournaments back in the day. And I would, I was so intimidated every time I got around you on that course, because you would smack that ball, and well, that ball really paid attention to where you were, because it went flying from you, man. And I would get up there, and you probably watched me duff one right into the lake or off to the <laughs> side or whatever. It's always so intimidating for guys like me to play in front of guys like you. The, you know, and that happens all the time. It's it's not just you. And especially, you know, when I go out on the course, I play a hole with everybody. Yeah. So I got to meet you and everybody else. 
And uh, it wasn't too long ago, I was doing the same thing at another event. And the guy hit the ball and he topped it and it only went about 30 yards. And he turned around and looked at me and he said, will you do me a favor? He says, will you look the other way because you're so intimidating? <laughs> he said, I just had a hard time hitting that shot. And, and I said, okay, I'll turn and look the other way. So he hit the ball again and topped it again. <laughs> yes. And I said, I, I see that it worked. You picked up 10 more yards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, that is an awful feeling. I played with my brother-in-law. He and I went on a small, uh, it was like a, a, it was a little bit more than a par three up in Shelbyville, Kentucky. A great looking course. It's beautiful, well-kept. Um, boy, I, it's it's just a good thing it wasn't a real long course. We would have been there hours <laughs> and hours because we were both playing a little off of what one should be playing. And uh, fortunately, wasn't too busy. So people behind us weren't too upset yeah. with us and all of that. Golf is an interesting game, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I was going to share this later on, but golf is just like life. It is just emulates each other. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. But, yeah. you know, and you talk about... Um, the par three, it reminded me in one of those pastors events that uh, we met at the, I forgot, it might've been Jim Henry, but mm-hmm. uh, cause I'd seen his swing a few times and he said, buddy, he said, what should I do to take about six strokes off my game? And I said, skip this par three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Skip this one and it will do you fine. Oh my goodness. Well, you, I, I think of all the times and I don't ever top a ball, but what I don't think about you, and that's the honest truth, because on on one of your exhibitions, you use this, you could purposefully top it, and you were going about the way, you were talking about how average golfers, how they play their game, and you were going through all these little reasons, and you swung intentionally, and, and then you turned around and he goes, top the ball. I yeah. topped it. I topped it. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that always gets me. People turn around and say, I topped that. And I say, are, are you kidding me? You're Did you kidding. top that? <laughs> I would never have known. Why else did it go six feet? <laughs> <laughs> or they'll tell you, oh, I pull that, or I push that, or I slice that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're out here knowing like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I said, what I've do got... you think we're doing? Playing this game on radio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you've just tuned in, Buddy Shelton is here. Buddy and Ruth, they live not terribly far from Orlando, actually in our Ocala market in near the villages. And they are, of course, are, we've got listeners up there that listen to us on WRZN uh, 103.5 in the village, also in Ocala at 720. And Buddy has, is well known around the area, certainly here in Orlando, which is where you were when I got to be with you in those uh, couple yeah. of tournaments. And those were fun times. Lifeway used to put those pastor appreciation tournaments on. Yeah, they did. And, and man, was, they went that was out. was a great time. Oh, my goodness. Those the, were great. Uh, and unfortunately, of course, Lifeway went out of business, too. They still yeah. do something, but they don't have the stores anymore. Right, right. But those things were nice. They had this one individual that obviously had a real heart for these pastors that was served. And they would, man, I we had chicken. That was Brian chi- Klein. That's right. Yeah. 
I remember that now that you said that. Yeah, matter of oh. fact, I uh, was going through my uh, memoirs, I guess we'll call it, and I found a newspaper article where uh, the Sentinel wrote about the pastor's appreciation event, and it interviewed Brian and myself, and so I sent him a copy of it. And, of course, that goes back, gosh, 30 years? Yeah, it's a long time ago, almost. Yeah, almost. goes back, yeah. you know, when you had hair. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And that's forever ago. I mean, my goodness, that's true. The, you know, it, and, it waved goodbye. That's what happened. It, just, it was started waving, and then it waved goodbye. That's I'm it. glad you brought it up because there was a friend of mine, a pastor in Claremont, and his name was Herzog. And he finally left. He started a church in Claremont. I think it was called The River or something like that. Okay. And went to um, went to Montana first or Idaho and then I think he's back in Mississippi. But anyway, just a couple of weeks ago, he sent me a thing on Facebook. Uh, and he had written an article. And I was in it. And he had given a sermon uh, because he said, one day, he says, I was with a bunch of pastors. And we were going to play a tournament. And we walked out to the driving range and started hitting balls. And he said, all of a sudden, out of the clouds or whatever he said buddy shelton said if you didn't bring it with you you won't find it here (laughs) (laughs) that's great and he did a sermon about that about being ready yeah you know that's right you've got to be ready i mean you don't go there yeah looking for something you better be ready how old were you when you realized that you had some game at at the game of golf how old were you Ah, gosh Probably 14, but I started playing when I was 13. Okay. And I hate to admit this. I should because you got to confess things, but I lied about my golf game. Oh, yeah. The, I, went, I played with guys who did that. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard that term? I'll impro- take the three. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard that term, improve your lie? <laughs> yes, I have. Well, most and- people think that's moving the ball in the fairway, but improving your lie oh, is when... A guy made six, and you said, wait a minute, you made six? No, it was a five, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> he improved his life because he, he really made eight. Right, right. <laughs> so he went from eight to six to five. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so sad. But I anyway, play, yeah. going back to uh, my grandfather used to take me out to hit some range balls at a driving range, and all I hit was a driver that they had on the rack. and But I had a morning paper route. And I would uh, finish, and there was a putt-putt there on my route. So after I'd finished delivering papers, I would putt. So I knew I could hit a ball with a driver, and I knew I could putt. And I went to military school, and I was on the football team. I was a kicker. And in military school, the first year you're there, if you don't play some kind of sport, you don't get to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of hazing going on. Yeah, And so... The uh, when football season was over, I wasn't a basketball player. I played baseball, and I said I got to get on some other team so I can not be hazed. So I went to the golf coach and I said, "Do you need anybody on the golf team?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "I've got a couple of guys that shoot in the seventies, and I knew the terms." And he says, "But everybody else can't break ninety." And he said, "So I could use somebody that can shoot in eighties." And I said, "I can shoot in eighties." And he said, well, come out after Christmas and, and, <laughs> and try out. 
I had never played. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I went home and went to the uh, pawn shop and got a set of clubs. And it came natural to me because I figured that if I just get anywhere near the green, I can chip on and put. And, yeah. and the way I figured I could shoot in 80s, I kept score by fives. Every <laughs> hole's a five. Of course, that's okay. a bogey most of the time. Yeah, it is. Well, Most of the time, or a double if it's yeah, a par three. Right. Yeah. So if you can just make a couple of fours, all of a sudden you've shot in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because five times 18 is 90. That's right. So I went out there and started shooting in the 80s, and then I kept practicing, but it came so natural that the next year I shot in the 70s and came captain of the golf team and won some high school tournaments and that type of stuff. Oh, you know, I, my problem is I know I had a bad attitude about the golf game. I, I thought it was way, I thought it was way too easy. That's what I thought. Growing up, I played basketball and you know, you're talking about now having to hoist a ball up at a small, relatively small hoop. And in my mind, being from Indiana, that's, that's a, a, oh, a yeah. difficult game. You know, if you're good at that and I, I was a good outside shooter, I wasn't too short though. The Bible says the wicked will be cut off short. That's what happened to me, man. So I'm I'm not tall enough to play on the school team at our big high school, but boy, did I love the game. And I really did believe that this golf thing was only for older people that weren't very talented. That was my bad that, attitude. Well, that's pretty close. Well, the, uh, are you talking about the villages? <laughs> I'm talking about my game right now. Yeah. Well, I've always had a saying, golf is an easy game made hard by people. That's right. You know, you really don't realize how easy it is. And and you've seen my swing, but I don't ever try to hit the ball. I just swing the club. Yeah. And most people try to hit it. A guy the other day, one of my neighbors, he said, look at my swing. What's, What's wrong? And I said, you lunge right before you look up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, little, a little lunge in the follow. Yeah, you got to come off your feet to hit it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see these guys that make it look so easy like you. And there's almost like an effortless swing. Now, I know that the pros, their feet never leave uh, the contact with the ground. I mm-hmm. mean, they there's this way to do it. And I know the way it's supposed to be done. But there's just something about my... I'm left-handed, and that that's kind of odd. I play on the wrong side of the tee, as it begins with, and some well, would Phil say Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson, I know he he's doing it for all of us lefties. And back in my day, it was Bob Charles, really, boy from New Zealand, and he'd won some events, came close to winning the Masters. Wow, left-hander. Of course, Phil did finally win. Yeah, and Mike Weir. Mm-hmm. Mike Weir's from Canada, and he won the Masters. But these guys, when they're at that level. Their swing from the left side looks as beautiful as what a, a good righty would look. Right. But not so with me. I mean, it wouldn't take you, buddy. You wouldn't have to see anything else but my swing, and you would know, <laughs> yeah, the guy needs to stick to uh, bowling. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Well, when I teach, which I don't teach very often, but the uh, I try to give a mirror image. And I learned to play golf left-handed. I play both ways, right-handed and left-handed. Because if I'm teaching a right-handed person, I want them to see a mirror image when I'm showing them something. Wow. So that's not fair, really. It really isn't fair. <laughs> you could hit the ball more left-handed than I could. That's 
That's just crazy. And another thing I I remember you did, you turned the club around. Right. I'll and take a left-handed club and turn it upside down and backwards and hit it right-handed. Yeah. How do you do that? Talent. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, you know, the Lord just gave me a hand-eye coordination, and That's it just amazing. works. That is really amazing. Because some of the shots, I have people come up and say, I can't believe you did that. And I said, hey, I can't either. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's amazing. And let's relate it to Christianity. we got two minutes, and then we're going to get deep into that. Okay. But go ahead. But, you know, when you've got Jesus, some things just happen. That's true. You know, the, the, yeah. there's no coincidence in life. Things yeah. just happen. Right. He graces us, and he has graced you. And, you know, when you think about how that you've been able to take something fun, and you're one of these wisecrack kind of guys. I love it. You've always got this sense of humor that's underneath everything that you do. And the way that you were able to, uh, I would say, be a little bit uh, on the edge of almost sarcastic (laughs) humor type of humor that um, you'd think some people would get upset with you. But they just laugh and they love it. You yeah. have that ability. It, you know, I, I'm known for insulting everybody. Yeah. And when I leave, if I feel like I didn't offend somebody, I miss something. You miss it. <laughs> it was a bad night. <laughs> you miss the mark, buddy. But then what's crazy is after I offend them, they come up and want their picture taken with yeah. me in an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I was privileged to be on the worst team uh, and part mostly because I'm the worst player out there and I got awarded by you a little, uh, it's like a little bobblehead trophy (laughs) and it's in there on my bookshelf. I still have it to this day. The most humble player is what it's called. (laughs) And there's no talent about it. It was the most humble because I had the worst score. Yeah. Didn't tennis balls come with it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It should have if it didn't. Buddy Shelton is my guest. It's always a blast when he's here. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back in the studio right now with Buddy Shelton. Buddy is a former pro golfer, and he is also a professional speaker. And you're on a circuit all by yourself on that kind of a thing. You've done these things all over the place, all over the country, and perhaps different parts of the world. All the way from Japan to Austria. Isn't that something? Yeah. And so what was your first trip like when you went, not to just be 
a pro golfer, but to be kind of a pro wisecracker as well. <laughs> when did that start? Oh, gosh. It actually started, and it's, and it's kind of odd. The, um, Jack Nicholas kind of gave me my start. I was doing trick shot exhibitions for country clubs that would have a little tournament and little two or $300 things and stuff. And Jack was supposed to do an exhibition for AT&T at Grand Cypress, which is, you know, in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, he fell on the tennis court, messed his knee up, and called him and said, I can't make it, or his manager did. And they said, uh, is there any other golf pro around? And he said, you know what? He says, just so happens that there's a boy that lives two miles from Grand Cypress, and he does trick shots, and he's sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you'll have more fun with him than you would me. Oh, my goodness. And so they called me and said, Jack recommended you. And the uh, when it was over, um, and, of course, I <clears throat> excuse me, I only charged them $500. The president of AT&T came up to me, and he said, this is the most fun my customers have ever had. He says, we're doing this in 15 more states entertaining customers around the country. And he said, I would like for you to go to every one of them. Oh, yes. And so he said, get with my assistant. Oh, my goodness. When the, the day's over and let's set it up. And, buddy, that is exactly what we were talking about in segment one, the grace of God opening a way and gracing you with a, a new form of using your gifts, the humor that he's given you, and using it in a way that is unique, making a living. Yeah. And the neat thing about it is uh, it's like Tim Tebow. Uh, if you're a professional athlete and you're a Christian, you've got to realize that God gave you that talent to give you a pulpit. Mm -hmm. And there's not one golf exhibition that I gave anywhere in the, in the world that I didn't bring up some scripture and a, and a Christian message before I left. Some of them didn't invite me back. <laughs> and I'm sure there are places that wouldn't like that. But... Yeah, I think I told you, yeah. you know, one company, uh, oh gosh, it was a, a chain of casinos and mm. they wanted me to do three events. Yes, I remember this. Remember story. that? Yeah. And the, uh, I was going to do it and it was a lot of money and, but they wanted me to wear all their logos on the shirts. I said, I can't do that. I said, I don't believe in gambling and I can't represent you that way, but I'll entertain your customers. And they said, well, that won't work. And the guy finally said, are you wealthy or something other? And I said, well, my father is. And he said, what's your father do? And I said, he owns all the cattle on all the hills. <laughs> but it I was like interesting. It. Immediately he became part religious himself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny how you'll say something and they'll bring up something maybe they heard when they were in Sunday school or something. Yeah. From the uh, way back, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I personally believe that um, not everybody's going to do anything, but the word doesn't go void. So if there's a hundred people there, I know God's got at least one person there to hear. Mm hmm. You know, I think we're seeing a, a time right now where a lot of people are making that kind of a stand, the kind that you did. And it 
it uh, occasionally costs you a lot of money to make a stand like that when you're going to have a commitment and conviction and you cannot go with the, the stuff they're telling you to do and hold on to that conviction as well. So that's exactly what you did. You lost those opportunities, but you gained much more in the end. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was going to mention to you that I have a problem today with the churches because people, um, let's go back to the golf event. I'm doing it. And just for the funny part, the, the same president of AT&T, it was John, I forgot his last name, ran into him in Atlanta airport. Is that and, right? And he had a customer with him yeah. <clears throat> and he came over and spoke to me. And the guy finally said, uh, what does buddy do his buddy and telephone or whatever? He said, oh, no, we hire Buddy to insult our customers. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's repeated. Yeah. And you do a great job at it. Yeah, man. thank you're, you. You're re- really talented. <laughs> but anyway, the um, I was willing to give up income and because maybe I won't get things I want, but I know God's going to take care of my needs. Yeah. So I'll yeah. give up the income to go ahead and voice what the Lord's telling me to say. When he taps on my shoulder, I'm going to say it. I don't care who it is. Yeah. But I have a problem now with the church. The church is so afraid to say anything. And I was even going to ask you later on. And, and if some of your listeners want to question me or whatever, it's buddy at buddyshelton.com is my email. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Giving the, it out. When is the church going to start talking about sin and pointing people to repentance and and accepting Jesus Christ instead of telling them to just do some good works? Mm. They're afraid. And I, I mentioned this to a pastor recently, and and I said, am I wrong? Are they supposed to say something? And he said, buddy, they're afraid to because half their church members will leave. Mm. That's sad. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear this. There are a lot of people now. I know it's not everyone. Our church is preaching the gospel, and I'm grateful for it. But I've talked to some churches, uh, church members at different churches before, and they would say, you know, there's this wide now, this wide playing field of what can be talked about. On one hand, a lot of churches are accused of being too political. And then on the other hand, you have churches accused of not being relevant to the culture enough to even speak to anything that's going on that might have a little uh, connection to politics. Mm -hmm. So you've got this wide gap in between and right in the middle of that should be the core message of what we are called by God to, to preach and teach. And that is the gospel of Jesus. The last thing Jesus said when he left was to go and witness in all the corners of the earth, you know, Mm -hmm. the, uh, I don't know if you know Robert Jeffers, who is First Baptist I do. Oh, Dallas. yeah. Yeah, I know who he is. He's he, on our stations up there. Yeah, he made a statement. Yeah. He said, the, uh, the day you get saved, if you don't go and witness to others, God should take you out right now because <laughs> you're not any good to him anymore. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty strong. That's strong. But yeah. I've done some research, and did you know that less than 2% of church members our so-called Christians, we'll just say they're Christians, less than 2% have ever shared Christ with anybody in their whole life. Yeah, 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 that's something. And, and we wonder why only few are going to go. 
You know, and then you compare this with what I get reports. I have uh, guests that come in who are evangelists, some of which like Caleb Wampler, who is a, an on fire <clears throat> for God guy that goes out and sitting here, you would you would just love Caleb. He's he's amazing, very relatable. But the guy goes out, and the Lord's using him in places like Pakistan mm-hmm. and other countries that are heavily Muslim. And he'll go in there, and people will flock. I'm talking about <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people will flock to these crusades. They hear the gospel. A great number of them are responding. And then you have, you know, here in America, where people won't walk hardly out of the parking lot to a church meeting. And sometimes there they walk for miles over mountains at times to come and to hear the best news that has ever been given, that has ever been given. I feel like the these people in these foreign countries, I've, I feel like that they know they're sinners and want some kind of repentance. Yeah, Where the churches that I've been visiting the last two or three years, uh, the pastors seem to preach that they don't believe that anybody in the church is a sinner. Hmm. That's, that's something wrong hmm. there. Hmm. And I've even got statistics on that. 35 to 55% of people in church have gambling problems, adultery problems, pornographic problems, financial problems, and the, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. And they think just because they're in church, they don't have the same problems that the world has. Mm-hmm. There's just as many divorces in the church as there is in the world. That is a statistic that should never be. Yeah. But it is. You're right. And this a uh, couple of weeks ago, we went to a service, and it was Pentecost Sunday. And the pastor, he said his, his message was Pentecost potential. And I thought, this is going to be interesting. Of course, I was already, I hate to say it, but in my mind, I didn't like what the pastor had preached for four weeks anyway. Mm. And he told the group, the church that Jesus chose Peter because he recognized Peter has potential. He said, you have potential. Anything that you want to do, you have the potential to do it. But he never referred to, <laughs> to Jesus. And how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So well, what are the, and I, I told my wife, I said, did we just go to a high school commencement? <laughs> Oh man. Oh, this is, uh, this is something that we need a lot of prayer here in our country. We really do. And I've had people just this past week that would feel the same way for other areas, not just what's going on on Sundays, but, but the lack of, uh, you know, the lack of speaking to things going on in our lives, uh, in general, which is what you're kind of talking about, uh, has really been laid into a uh, the the reason for our where we are today, mm-hmm. we have had a long time where churches have not lived up to our calling, and and we Christians haven't done so well either. So may God give us all uh, a real fresh. Uh, you know, I keep praying for revival, and a, and an awakening, and mm-hmm. that we'll wake back up, buddy, and see that uh, it is the gospel. That's the only important thing. I tell this story because I heard it in England when I was there. A guy was called upon to 
uh, lead worship the next day. And he, he was honored to be able to do this. It was a last minute filling in for somebody who was not going to be able to be there. And he'd done it dozens of times, if not hundreds of times before. That night, he could not get it together. He, he sat with his guitar for hours and trying to think about songs and stringing different songs together. And every time he'd put together a song list, it just wasn't right. It just didn't feel like it was going to pack any punch at all. And he didn't feel it was honoring God. And he said, God, what's wrong? He went into the wee hours of the morning, still working at this. And somewhere after, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the morning, the, the sentence emerged in his mind, it's all about me. It's not about you. And when he heard that, it was, it was from the perspective of God speaking to him. He, he said, Paul, it's, it's all about me. It's not about you. The writer's name is Paul Oakley. And he wrote this song, Jesus, lover of my soul. All consuming fire is in your gaze. Jesus, I want you to know, I will follow you all my days. There's no one else like you in all of eternity. And it goes on, and then the chorus says, It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me, as if we should do things my way. You alone are God, and I surrender. Mm. And that was the only song that he had for that service. But as he sang it, God just caused a, a brokenness to call to fall on the people who were there. And they never got past that song that day. They worshiped. God began to move on people. They, people began to kneel in prayer, to come to the front, to kneel and pray at the altar. God moved because they saw it was all about his will, not about what we think. Mm-hmm. That's, it's a powerful thing. I spoke to one of my neighbors recently, and he's been on my mind for a couple of years. And just, I kept trying to get to him and find out where he stood. And uh, he finally told me, he said, uh, uh, he, we were talking about finances, and he had made plans to have so much money in his investments to live off of and stuff. And I told him, I said, you know, I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time. Have you planned for eternity? And he said, yeah, he says, I'm okay with that. He said, um, you know, I'm, uh, I just believe in the golden rule. And I said, maybe you ought to read and see if that's in the Bible. <laughs> you know, the golden rule's not in there. Of course, it relates to it. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, uh, but talking to him, and, and I had a tough time talking to him, and it, the, and he brought up his wife, and he said, and my wife, she's one of the best Christians I've ever seen. And I said, what is a Christian? And he says, well, people that just do good things. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you believe in the Bible? And he said, no, I don't believe in the Bible. And I said, well, what are you basing your Christianity on if you think you're a Christian? And he couldn't base it on anything except he was just a good person. And I told him when I left, I said, Mm -hmm. let me tell you something. I said, I didn't want to make you mad. I've just been wanting to talk to you about this thing. And I said, because if you're not a, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you die and go to hell. And the only reason I'm telling you this is I care about you. Yeah, right. And a friend of mine brought it up one time. He said, when you go before the judgment of God 
He's not going to judge your sins, but what are you going to say to him when he says, did you know your neighbor went to hell and you knew him for 22 Mm -hmm. years and never said a thing? Mm -hmm. That's pretty sad. That's sad. God help us, because I know that there's not a one of us that could say, yeah, I always spoke up when I should. I mean, I've got terrible stories of failings in my own past, but you know, God gives us those opportunities and we can learn from them. And the next time when God whispers or taps us, if you will, on our shoulder and say, speak the word. Well, and and they all say, well, you know, they'll, they'll know I'm a Christian by my actions. I said, has anybody ever come up to you and says, you know, you act like a Christian. Can you tell me how I can be one? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's good, buddy. Well, you're calling it right, and we need to get more involved than what we are. And God can help us. And I believe, I want to close this segment out with this. I, I think that we we all need to pray for our pastors. We need to pray that God would move upon us, that we can get it right, that the the church can be preaching the the Word of God and do it boldly, and that we can preach the the word in such a way that that Jesus is glorified, the gospel goes out, and people's hearts are touched. That's what God is calling us to do. Real quick, what did Paul write letters to Timothy and Galatia and all that? Did he write a letter to the church or to the guys that were heading it up? Yeah, yeah, he wrote it to the church. He said, y'all not Mm. doing, you're not pointing people to me, and you're not rebuking sin. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I've been looking up rebuke. It's bad. Yeah, not a good thing. You don't want to be rebuked by God, that's for sure. My guest is Buddy Shelton, and we'll be back with him in a moment for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. I so enjoy these times that Buddy Shelton comes over and we're going to get to enjoy a, a time of fellowship together after this uh, program is over and I'm looking forward to that as well. Buddy is a pro golfer and God along the way uh, gave him a different direction to go. And that was to be a kind of a speaker along with his golfing and to put on these crazy trick shot exhibitions and that were done either before or even during a lot of the tournaments. And uh, like you've said, uh, a whole new career in some ways, opened up for you as a result of one person, and that was Jack Nicholas, the Golden Bear. He uh, recommends you for this, uh, to fill in for him. I mean, that's pretty good right there, yeah. buddy. And, and, and actually, it was surprising that he did, because about a month before, uh, we were doing a, an event for the appliance industry, and Jack was uh, endorsed by a company called Magic Chef. I don't know if you recall them. I do. Appliances yeah, yeah. and stuff. And he nice was, appliances. He was supposed to do a little clinic, and then I was going to do the trick shots afterwards and stuff. And when we get, gathered the group together, there was 150 people there, and everybody was gathered around. And Jack came up, and his shirt didn't match his slacks. 
And as he walked out, I said, Jack, you haven't got a mirror in your room. (laughs) (laughs) Have you looked at yourself, Jack? (laughs) What did he say? Oh, he he didn't say anything, but he didn't look at me real nice. (laughs) Because Jack was always so serious. Oh, yeah. I did find out later, though, he's uh, colorblind. Is that right? So I had to apologize to him. Okay. <laughs> now there's a clip. I saw this last week and it's, it's out there. It's, it happened a number of years ago where somebody, he, he was encouraging somebody in one of the senior events, a big tournament to make this long putt. And he walks up and sh- says, I'm going to show you how to do oh, it. Oh, that was with Johnny Miller. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. The putt was 150 feet long. Yes. It was crazy. Uses that putter and drives it all the way up to the green and not only on the green, but into the, into into the, the hole. cup. It's Everybody just, like just went crazy. Yeah. And Johnny and he Miller. Acts like it's everyday thing. And Johnny Miller fell on his knees and bowed down to it. <laughs> it's like, you know. I think that's the only time a Mormon has ever bowed down to it. <laughs> Oh my word. It was amazing to think about that. And you know, the, the ability to say, I'm going to show you how to do it. And then the cameras are rolling. That always amazes me to have that kind of ability. I know you've seen some things on the golf course, right? Fortunately, I, I do that occasionally. And, but what it, it gives you an extra boost on making the putt. Because the last tournament I played in was a scramble type thing. I one putted 10 greens out of 18 holes. No kidding. And half of them, and another pro played with us, and he told my wife, he said, Buddy amazes me. He goes up and he says, I'm going to make this one. Y'all just stand aside. I'm and gonna that's make exactly it. what Nicholas did that. Day. Yeah, yeah. But there's something in it. The uh, And here it is. It's just positive thinking. Hmm. It's total positive thinking that makes everything work better. Well, I'm, I think positively when I'm golfing too. Here's what I'm thinking of. I positively know I'm going to not do well on this. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. exactly what happens with me. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, they'll miss these three foot putts. And they said, that just bothers me. And I said, have you ever made a three foot putt? <laughs> if you have, think of that one. Yeah, that's right. You know, get that one in your mind. And of course, I play blindfolded. And oh, no, I the, did not know that. I did not remember that. Yeah, I play blindfolded. And uh, matter of fact, I beat the president of Disney playing blindfolded one time. He didn't like that. You played the whole round blindfolded? Eight, nine holes. Played nine oh, holes. Oh, my goodness. And I shot 42. Now, my caddy, mm. he would line me up and everything. The uh, But in the, one of the exhibitions I did recently, the person said, what do you think about? And I said, I can't think about anything. You know, and when I swing a golf club, I'm not thinking about anything. I just take it back and swing yeah, it through. Because yeah. how are you going to think about it when you can't see? Yeah, that's you know, right. One thing for sure, you don't look up. <laughs> yeah. You can't look up if you've got a blindfold on. That's right. You know, well, you so, can look up and you're, you're trusting the mechanics of that swing. Right. And that's really what all golfers walk, should be doing. Walk by faith. Yeah. And okay. I like the way you always tie things. And you do this in those tournaments when you're giving these exhibitions. You will do a lot of golf type of activities. And then you'll turn around and you make the application to how that applies to our walk with God, our faith. Right. I mentioned to you earlier when we came that uh, life and golf is so identical. And the faith you have in your golf ability makes a winner out of you. The faith you have in Jesus Christ makes a winner of your life. Mm. 
Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and you get bad bounces and good bounces. That's the way it's going to be. Yeah. You know, of course, people say when they get a good bounce, they planned it. When they got a bad bounce, it was just bad luck. Yeah. It just happened. I'm a victim. Yeah. The the other one is uh, take wise counsel. That's why I come to you sometime. Let's get this wise counsel. Hadn't worked yet, but I'm straight. (laughs) One of these days, I might say something that will help. The one time I got messed up thinking I was getting wise counsel. I went to Augusta National where they play the Masters and beautiful golf course and stuff. And Ben Hogan was always my favorite. I think he was the greatest golfer of all times. He could make every shot. So I asked the caddy master, I said, is Ben Hogan's caddy still here? Because back in the day, you had to use one of their caddies. You couldn't bring your caddy Mm. to the tournament. And he said, yeah. I said, I'd like to go around with him. And he'd tell me where Ben hit every ball and what Ben would do in that situation. And I felt like I was playing with Ben. Isn't that something? And so we got to the 15th hole, and that's that beautiful par five. There's a pond in front of the green. Yeah. and there's Classic. P- Iconic. Yeah, pond behind it, one of the greatest golf holes in golf. Yes. The, and we get up there at the top of the hill, and I hit a good drive so I can get there in two. And everybody's trying that shot. And so I reach in the bag, and I pull out my three iron, which people don't have nowadays. And when I pulled mm-hmm. that three iron out, he said, Mr. Hogan hit four iron. And I thought, Ben hit a four iron from here? I said, that's a long ways. And I said, I'm, I got to hit three. And he said, no, Hogan hit four iron. And I said, okay. So I put that three iron back in the bag, and I pulled out that four iron. Took his advice on it. And so I'm addressing the ball, and I can see 20,000 people around that green. And everybody's up there cheering for me and stuff. And Ken Venturi is up in the tower with CBS and says, Shelton's got a four iron out. He's going for an eagle. And I hit the best four iron I've ever hit. Isn't that so? Ball's going right toward the hole. And it falls short in that lake about two yards. <laughs> oh, no. And I looked at the caddy and I said, Hogan hit four iron? He said, yeah, he hit in the water, same place you did. <laughs> Oh, that was bad intel. (laughs) So that wasn't real wise counsel, I guess. I love that story. Yeah, he he got it wet just like you did, man. Oh, my. I was not expecting that. I was ready for this thing to roll in. Oh, I know it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's just great. Buddy, this is really so refreshing to see how the Lord has touched your life. And you've been doing this how many years now? Has it been that you've been going around doing these things? I went on tour in 1967, uh, played off and on up until my last card I had was 83. Uh, but I started doing the trick shot exhibitions in 79. So you did that for four years while yet on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Wow. And, the, uh, and of course, I had to do that because the way I based my economy on tour I wanted to win enough money to last until the day I died and break even. Mm-hmm. And the way it looks right now, I'm going to die for, uh, Friday next week. <laughs> That's right. It's getting close <laughs> to the end. <laughs> but I've, I've done the trick shots and I'm still doing it. I'm going to a church in Tallahassee in a couple of weeks and going to speak on Sunday morning and do trick shots on Monday at their golf event. Yeah. This is something that you can continue as long as you 
Can well, I'm only swing? eighty. I'm only eighty years old, and oh. I still shoot par golf, and I still play blindfolded. So that's right. God's You've taking got care it going of me. On, yeah. yeah, and I, I would not have believed. And I that. take the blind off, blindfold off to look at my beautiful wife yeah. that He gave me yeah. too. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and she's right here, not saying anything, but she's right here, <laughs> and that's awesome. Buddy and Ruth again. They they come down occasionally and sit in here with me, and it's always so much fun to see you. So you're going to be going out onto this tournament. What what else is happening for the best of, for the rest of this year? Well, hopefully, I'll have some more church events. I just enjoy church events. And going back to what I said, somebody said, "Would you rather do exhibitions and speak at secular events or church events and i said church events because there's too many people in church that don't know they're not saved Mm, mm. well you have this ability if anybody ever had the gift of sarcasm and insulting (laughs) in such a way that people can hear it receive it laugh about it all the way back to their seats it's buddy shelton man i believe it that's just great and it's really how, how can people get in touch with you to be able to uh, get you to come to their church. Yeah, well, my website's BuddyShelton.com. So if you know my name, you can find me. That's Buddy Shelton, S-H-E-L-T-O-N. Right. And the uh, email is Buddy at Buddy Shelton. And if that doesn't work, just call the sheriff's department in Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) And have him describe the picture that's up on the wall. That's not what you're going to say. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Buddy, yeah. when you look back over your career, what was, the, what was maybe the most enjoyable memory that you have in all those years of being on that PGA Tour? What would it be? You know what? I can't narrow it down to one because it's such a great feeling to stand in front of people and you're getting ready to do something that they might think can be done with a regular golf club, but they know it's impossible to do it with a chain or blindfolded or whatever and hit a shot that's better than their best shot. Yeah, that's just crazy. You and know? I've seen this with my own eyes. I mean, I watched you take that chain. And, and we all, my friends, we were all standing around like, hey, no way. Right. In no way. That's the main thing I hear Boom. on my backswing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here I am just trying to concentrate on swinging, and I hear 10 people say, there's no way. No way. No way. <laughs> but you know what? That pumps me up. My That's wife it. will say it. There's no way. I said, watch. Watch this. Watch this. And then we've talked about this the last time you were up. You do that one shot where you kind of address the ball from about 10 feet out, and you do the Happy Gilmore right. swing. and you're kind of moving and moving in, charging the ball sure. from the rear. And then you get that ball, like that club, right on that ball and smack it. I don't know how far. And the crazy thing about it, it goes about 70 yards further than my normal shot. Yeah. You've got all that impetus, man. You've yeah. got that, that inertia going already. And I picked up that shot from being a field goal kicker in, in high school and college. Because I something. take three steps back and two to the left. Yeah. And That's, then I charged the ball. Did Adam Sandler, have you ever talked with him about that? I haven't talked to him. Yeah, because he, do, he does all those things yeah, he's crazy. in the movie. Yeah, That's nuts. Well, you do it, and it's always fun to watch you. And I highly recommend Buddy Shelton. If any of you are looking for some entertainment for your men's ministry, if you just, it doesn't even have to be tied to the golf game. 
This guy can come and talk, and it's going to be entertaining, and he'll bring the gospel in in the goods as well. I appreciate that about you, buddy. Thank you. Lord's really taking care of me, and um, I'll be the first one to say, if I've got to say anything, it's going to be to point people to him. That's right. I love that. Buddy Shelton, thanks for being with me. And friends, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.